0: It was just about a week ago that an op-ed appeared in the Dallas Morning News and kicked off a public firestorm. This editorial was titled, I Need to End My Pregnancy Now. The author was a mom of two named Kate Cox. Kate Cox was, at the time, 20 weeks pregnant, and her fetus had a devastating diagnosis. Kate had been in and out of the emergency room, cramping, bleeding. She'd been told that continuing this pregnancy could make her infertile, and she wanted an abortion. Under state law, though, any physician who performed one would risk tens of thousands of dollars in fines, even prison time. So Kate Cox, she was suing. To NPR's Selena Simmons Duffin,
1: the details of Kate's story were horribly familiar. She writes about that she was, she felt shocked when she found out that it wasn't possible for her to have an abortion. I think a lot of people have that reaction. Like they think an abortion will be available to me, obviously. Exactly, exactly.
0: Selena Simmons-Duffin has been collecting stories like Kate Cox's, and there are a lot of them now. But most of the time, Selena only hears about them after the fact. And when these women sue, Selena's seen that delay used against them. After all, by the time they get to a judge, they seem to be recovered. In fact, just before Kate Cox published her op-ed, the lawyers who would go on to represent her appeared in front of the Texas Supreme Court and asked, Do our clients need to come to you in the middle of a medical emergency
1: to be heard? And, you know, the center was saying that in kind of a rhetorical way, like, that's crazy. You can't ask somebody who's mid-medical crisis to sue. And then days after, days after those arguments in the Texas Supreme Court, um, where that point was made again, here was this plaintiff saying, here I am, you know, I am in crisis right now, state of Texas. Can I get this care? In the
0: end... The answer to that question turned out to be no, at least for Kate Cox.
1: Yeah, the Texas Supreme Court said, essentially, the risk of having your fertility compromised isn't the same as the risk of death or a major effect to a major bodily function. And the Center for Reproductive Rights has been saying, you know, what does that mean? Can, can somebody explain to doctors in Texas, to hospitals in Texas, to, to patients, what what does qualify? Do we now know what qualifies? Well, not really. It is on doctors and doctors alone to decide in each case who qualifies with the threat of Life in prison, $100,000 in fines, and, you know, loss of medical license hanging over them. No pressure, guys. Yeah, it's a really, really impossible situation for doctors and hospitals.
0: Today on the show, what Kate Cox's courtroom saga can tell you about the state of abortion bans in this country, and whether their exemptions exist in name only. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply.
2: See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So... If we lose here, it'll be 50 years
1: before we ever get back up again.
2: Like the drag queens say, take out the earrings, sharpen the nails. There ain't no going back.
0: Can you start by reminding me what the current legal landscape in Texas is
1: regarding abortion? Like, is the procedure ever legal? Well, the current laws in Texas are that abortion is illegal from the moment the pregnancy begins. There is one exception, and that is if the pregnant patient is at risk of death or substantial risk for injury to a major bodily function. And so a doctor has to say, you're
0: going to die, probably, if we don't do this abortion. You, the woman, are going to die.
1: Right. That is the only scenario in which an abortion is legal in Texas. There is no rape exception. There is no incest exception. There is no fetal anomaly exception. And there is not one but three laws banning abortion that overlap, which makes it just extra confusing to figure <laughs> out.
0: Because there's a law that says people can sue you if you do an abortion or get an abortion. And there's laws saying you can't do an abortion after a certain period of time. And they all are sort of a a mishmash.
1: Well, there's the law that you mentioned where people can sue you if you help a woman get an abortion. That's the vigilante law. That's a civil law. There are also criminal penalties laid out in the trigger ban that was passed. And there's a law that was before Roe, pre-Roe, that Texas officials are arguing are still in force. So in three different ways, abortion is illegal in Texas. It is very, very illegal in Texas.
0: This seems like a legal labyrinth, and into it steps this woman, Kate Cox.
1: Tell me, if you can, about her. Sure. So Kate Cox is 31 years old, and she lives in the Dallas area. She already has two young kids, and she wanted a third. And she talked about this in her op-ed. She wanted a big family she was really excited to find out she was pregnant in August, and a couple weeks into her pregnancy, there's, there's a test you can do that gives you a, an idea of how things are looking genetically with your fetus. She said there was a signal early on that the f- fetus she was carrying might have a condition called trisomy 18, and that's a really serious genetic condition with very little to no chance of survival.
0: She knew it seems like right away she didn't want to keep the pregnancy because the chances of it going wrong, the chances of the, the chances of the baby's surviving were so so slim, and the pregnancy was going to be hard on her body and require a C-section. So, how did she first file her case, asking the Texas legal system to weigh in and give her special dispensation to get an abortion?
1: So she received confirmation after a lot of different genetic tests that the fetus she was carrying has trisomy 18 on November 28th. And that is the day that the Center for Reproductive Rights was arguing before the Texas Supreme Court in another case. And they were saying the medical exception to the abortion laws in Texas doesn't make sense. It's not usable for doctors. Um, it's too narrow, it's too vague, and it violates the rights of these people to life and health, basically. So she was Googling, what do I do in this circumstance? Found the Center for Reproductive Rights. Two days later, she reached out to them. And the attorney that she's working with there, Molly Duane, told me that she laid out different options for what she could do. And What were the options? I mean, I, the options that most people face in this kind of circumstance is travel out of state, go to a state where abortion is legal. That is not illegal under Texas law. You can do that. You can also carry the pregnancy to term and hope that your health, you know, doesn't go south. Or you can sue the state and ask the state, you know, can I get an abortion here? Can Can I be preemptively shown to fall under this narrow exception so that I can get care here at home in Texas. And that's what she decided to do. So Kay Cox sues in
0: Travis County, which is Austin. What does the judge there say about her case?
1: It was a short hearing over Zoom two days after she filed. So really quick turnaround. And Judge Gamble of Travis County said from the bench, you should be able to get this abortion here.
0: The idea that Miss Cox wants desperately to be a parent and this law might actually
1: cause her to lose that ability is uh, shocking. And she signed a temporary restraining order so that Kate Cox, her husband Justin, and her doctor, Dr. Damla Kharsan, were all protected from the many penalties listed in Texas's abortion laws.
0: Were you surprised by that ruling? Because it it does sort of really put on hold all of the laws that legislators have put into effect.
1: I was a bit surprised by the ruling, but at the same time, you know, Austin is thought of as kind of a more liberal part of the state of Texas, um, and so it's not maybe quite as surprising that a district court judge there who was a democratically elected judge decided in her favor. But I was, you know, as soon as that decision came down, waiting with bated breath to find out what was going to happen next, because I thought that's probably not the end of the story. Yeah.
0: I mean, the attorney general of Texas responded right away, right? Yeah.
1: Hours later. Yeah. He filed an appeal directly to the Supreme Court of Texas And he also sent a letter to the three hospitals where Dr. Damla Karsan has admitting privileges.
0: Kate Cox's doctor.
1: Yes, Kate Cox's doctor. That was pretty threatening in tone. It enumerated all of the reasons why these hospitals should not even for a moment consider being the location where Kate Cox gets an abortion. You know, it lists things about why the temporary restraining order signed by the district judge you know, might not last long enough for them to, you know, be safe from possible claims against them. And it also says that there might be kind of unspecified other regulatory claims brought against them. It's quite strong in tone. And a colleague of mine who's based in Texas and covers Texas politics said it was classic Ken Paxton. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I was struck by how punitive everything seemed to be. It brought up these letters from Ken Paxton, brought up possible first-degree felony prosecutions. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that from some legal scholars I've talked to, it sounds like part of the reason why to react so strongly to this case is so that it's not a template. You know, I don't think that the Attorney General of Texas or the Texas Supreme Court are really eager for pregnant people facing complications to make a habit of going to court and asking for this kind of dispensation hmm.
0: so just make it clear like we won't be having any of this right. and so hopefully people stop suing and stop bringing attention to the law
1: yeah i mean their line is the law is already clear it is what it is it's not changing it's the law and doctors this is all on you we don't want to be doing this in court
0: so the attorney general appealed to the texas supreme court what happened there? Because this case moved very quickly, and it seems like the Texas Supreme Court also moved quickly.
1: It it did move quickly in the, in the scheme of courts. <laughs> but as um, Molly Duane, uh, the attorney from the Center for Reproductive Rights, points out, it did not move quickly when you're pregnant and the clock is ticking. So mm. on Friday, the Texas Supreme Court said, Okay, we're putting a hold on the district court's ruling. And then there were a long couple of days where nothing happened.
0: So the Supreme Court puts things on hold. Kate Cox is meanwhile kind of like sitting there pregnant, trying to decide what's best for her and her family.
1: Yeah, I mean, Molly Duane says that she was basically in bed (laughs) um, and really kind of at a loss for what to do. I I just can't imagine being in that situation because you've gone over a couple of days to becoming a public figure and really a national public figure, public with your crisis, your family's crisis. And your fate was really, you know, in the hands of these nine Republican justices who were going to make a call. So what did Kate Cox eventually decide to do? Yeah, she decided she couldn't wait essentially. So on Monday afternoon, her attorney sent out a press release and said that she had decided to travel out of state and did not disclose the state she went to, and that she felt that if she waited any longer, her chances of having a future pregnancy were going to disappear. Hmm.
0: It's interesting because the fact that Kate Cox traveled out of state to seek an abortion it kind of means the questions at the heart of this case were moot. And the Texas Supreme Court could have said, well, there's nothing for us to rule on here.
1: But that's not what they did, right? Yeah, I agree. I think that's so interesting. (laughs) It was clear that the justices were aware that the woman who needed an abortion in Texas no longer needed an abortion in Texas in this case. But they didn't stop there. They decided to actually dig into the details. And a few hours after we all learned that Kate Cox had left the state, the Texas Supreme Court posted a seven-page decision and said, this woman in this circumstance does not meet the requirements of the medical exception in the state of Texas. She did not qualify for a legal abortion. And so if it were up to the Texas justices, she would not have gotten an abortion in Texas.
0: After the break, what Kate Cox tells us about the true meaning of abortion ban exemptions.
2: There's a funny
0: contradiction at the heart of the Supreme Court of Texas's opinion here, which is that the justices said a pregnant woman doesn't need a court order to have a life-saving abortion in Texas. But then at the same time, they've issued a court order saying a woman cannot have an abortion, which just seems like you're saying both things at once here.
2: Mm
1: yeah right? yeah. they're they're making a call and saying they shouldn't be making a call or they shouldn't have to make a call.
0: And didn't Kate Cox have a doctor saying an abortion was necessary here? Was that
1: not enough? So that piece of it is interesting, actually. So you know, it's one thing to have a doctor say it's in my good faith medical judgment, it is appropriate for you to get an abortion and end this pregnancy early and not continue to carry it to term. What Texas requires from doctors is a reasonable medical judgment. What's the difference? The difference is that anybody can question the reasonableness of your medical judgment. And the language in the petition was kind of picked apart by the Texas Supreme Court. They said, you didn't declare that her need for an abortion met that standard, the reasonable medical judgment standard.
0: What would happen if the doctor had declared that it met the reasonable
1: standard? Well, basically she would have been open to challenge. You know, there could be another doctor who said that wasn't reasonable. The state could have said that wasn't reasonable medical judgment. And it's an extremely high bar, and it's one of the complaints that the Center for Reproductive Rights has raised with the Texas statute. It's it's a it, instead of saying that as a doctor in your good faith judgment, you think that this is a good choice for the patient. You're saying that somebody else can come up from outside, scrutinize this decision, second guess. And it's it's really challenging for doctors because there's no way to like look into the future and see exactly that this patient is going to be okay and this patient is going to develop an infection and going to develop sepsis and be really not okay really quickly.
0: Yeah, it seems like it sets up the standard where Doctors and patients—they're kind of damned if they ask, damned if they don't. Like, there's no, there's no great option there.
1: Yeah, and there's there's even yet another reason why doctors are in an impossible situation because if they make the wrong decision and don't intervene in a case that does turn ugly, then they could face malpractice suits and. The state of Texas has asserted to these women who have sued and said, I've been harmed by these abortion bans, that instead they were harmed by their doctors and that they should be suing their doctors. Oof. So doctors are facing, yeah, an absolutely impossible situation in Texas. You know, I remember back when Roe
0: was first overturned and there was so much concern about cases just like Kate Cox's. Conservative groups... They weighed in and they said that liberals were kind of causing a panic here and misconstruing abortion laws. And of course, there are exceptions for the health of the mother and safety and these kinds of things. Does this case reveal anything about that idea?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it reveals that these exceptions don't work very well, because it's really hard to imagine a scenario in which Doctors feel the confidence and the support to be able to make calls and not fear the consequences. This is setting up doctors and hospitals to be as conservative as possible. The Texas Supreme Court is still considering a different case,
0: known as Zorofsky versus the state of Texas, that could provide some clarity here. Twenty women have signed on to Zorofsky, each with their own medical complications that led them to consider an abortion. Some traveled out of state for care. One got so sick that doctors in Texas finally intervened to save her life. Others carried to term, only to watch their babies die. These women want the court to get specific about who really qualifies for an exemption here. I asked Selena, does Kate Cox's case give any indication
1: of how this
0: other case could play out?
1: I mean, you have an opinion from the Texas Supreme Court saying... This patient doesn't deserve relief. And I think that is probably reasonably read as a preview of what they're going to say about the Zorofsky case, that the patients don't deserve clarity or to have the law adjusted to account for the harms that it's caused to them.
0: Yesterday, the U.S. Supreme Court decided it would take up a different abortion access case also coming out of Texas. This case is all about mifepristone, the so-called abortion pill. Right now, that drug is used in more than half of U.S. abortions. And the Supreme Court is going to consider whether they should revoke its FDA authorization for the entire country.
1: I mean, the mifepristone case, by some accounts, could be bigger than the Dobbs decision which I think felt like an earthquake in terms of reproductive health care across the country. And you're right. I mean, it's also coming out of Texas. It's, that has huge implications. It has huge implications. I mean, even these cases that are specific to Texas about Texas law and Texans are huge because it's an enormous state. It's an enormous state and it's had a head start on these on abortion bans because its laws went into effect in September of 2021. So yeah, I mean, I think that I think there's a reason why people around the country are are really compelled by what's happening in Texas.
0: If you were to take the Texas Supreme Court's ruling in Kate Cox's case in good faith, Is it clear what they want women and doctors to do when they feel like they need to make a decision
1: about an abortion? Yeah, I think what the Texas Supreme Court is saying in this opinion is, first of all, a fetal anomaly diagnosis doesn't qualify you for a medical exception unless you are yourself, your health really at severe risk, even if your fertility could be compromised, that's not enough. You know, I've talked to the Texas Alliance for Life, one of the groups in Texas that lobbies for these abortion laws and, and strongly supports them staying exactly as they are. And I've talked to them about trisomy 18, actually, specifically.
0: This is the condition that Kate Cox's fetus was diagnosed
1: with. Right, and, you know, they describe that carrying a fetus to term can, even if that fetus has no chance of survival, can be a very spiritually fulfilling experience for people. They can, you know, grieve as they, the pregnancy continues, they can plan a funeral. And there is somebody uh, who was present during the the arguments of the Texas Supreme Court who had a fetus with trisomy 18 and who described how carrying the pregnancy to term was was a good and fulfilling experience for her. What a thing to mandate though. Yeah, I think that that's it, right? It's you must grieve in this way. You must process this in this way. It's, it's such a personal and difficult experience to go through to re- even to receive the diagnosis is a difficult experience and to to mandate how you proceed from there is you know it's a that's what Texans are living with right now there's only one way to do this I think that Kate Cox may have created a new path she's just shown the whole country That if you are going through something and feel like you have a case and feel like you should have the right to get care where you live, then you can find an attorney and you can sue the state. And so, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think that there's a good chance there are going to be more of these cases.
0: Selena, I'm really grateful for your time. Thanks for coming on the show and explaining it all.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Selena Simmons-Duffin is a health policy correspondent at National Public Radio. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Alina Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you back here next time.
2: Coming soon from Slate Podcasts. So...